This is Momming While Feminist. Feminist. We're here to have authentic, open-minded, hopeful, and maybe even helpful conversation about being a mom in a world where gender inequality and misogyny are everywhere. We want our parenting decisions to reflect our values as feminists, but that's not easy, so we need to talk about it. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. I have two sons, ages five and seven, and a daughter, age two. And I have two daughters, ages three and six. Today, we're going to be talking about Mother's Day because it's just two days from our release date. Yes. What do we really want for Mother's Day? Before we get started, we just want to acknowledge that Mother's Day can actually be a really painful day. There are people who have lost their mothers or people who don't have a relationship with their mother for whatever reason. Um, There are also people who have lost pregnancies or children. There are people who are really struggling with motherhood and being a mother. And so we just want to say that we are thinking of you and our heart goes out to you. And we hope that you can find some peace in this Mother's Day. Yes. Thank you, Lisa. So we got a few reactions from some of our listeners from our last episode, which was focused on division of labor and coronavirus and how that's affected our uh, work roles and responsibilities in the household uh, from a feminist uh, perspective. I'll share one that I got from a listener from a mom of a seven-year-old boy. So she pointed out that in her family, her spouse takes on more of the external risk of getting COVID because his resp- he takes on the responsibilities of going out to do the shopping, uh, doing the laundry, because they do uh, laundry, uh, they don't have laundry in their, in their um, unit, so going to the shared laundry, uh, picking up packages and things like that. So I thought that was an interesting perspective we didn't cover. She also pointed out that uh, was something that I definitely agree with, that cooking is more laborious um, then or cooking takes more labor than uh, things like laundry and cleaning because there's so much advanced work uh, that comes into play, so much preparing, you know, meal planning, all that sort of thing. I completely agree with that. Uh, and I think that draws on what when we were mentioned last week, we were talking about the, the mental labor that kind of overlays some of these different types of work. So thank you, listener, for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, there were a few people who wondered about whether um, men traditionally making more um, money in their jobs impacted the division of labor, which I thought was a great question. And then um, one listener shared that there's a book called When She Makes More, which is about women breadwinners. It's by Farnoosh Tarabi. And in the book, she shared research that as a woman's income gets higher, she, um, they actually find that they take on more of the household labor. And that um, they're not 100% sure why, but one reason they think why might be because the woman feels more guilty or Mm. possibly because the man feels emasculated. Mm. So he refuses to do some tasks that he sees as traditionally female. Um, Yeah. So I thought that that was really actually kind of sad information. Yeah. Kind of upsetting. Um, But uh, definitely worth thinking about. So we'll put that book in our show notes so that listen other listeners can check it out so thank you to all of our listeners for sharing your your feedback okay so, so what's your feminist crush of the week my feminist crush of the week okay so i'm going to stick with my theme of uh childhood child uh characters <laughs> from characters from from uh children's movies and tv shows 
My feminist crush of the week are uh, Queen Aduna, uh, Elsa, and Anna from Frozen 2. Frozen 2 is very popular in our house right now. We were watching it a ton during coronavirus stay at home. The reason I picked this is because there's a scene when uh, when um, Elsa singing that song, Show Yourself, and she's about to solve this mystery of her past and like why she has the powers and why is why are things happening the way they are. And her mother appears to her. And it's this scene and it's just so beautiful and I want to cry because her mother's had spoiler had passed away she died but the reason this is a feminist crush for me is because this process of this connection that they have is how this healing happens um, that's needed in the story to repair the harm that was caused in the past by um, Arendelle against the the indigenous peoples nearby. And so um, because of this, um, this uh, her mother revealing herself um, her, it, her through her spirit to Elsa and then Elsa sacrificing herself and then passing on her um, message to her sister, Anna, is how that keeps the entire community community safe and so it's this this really this sense of this like collaborative um feminine divine that like saves um an entire village and kingdom and and uh and forest and um i just think it's really really beautiful and powerful and so um, i'm very moved by that and i think it's very fitting for for feminist mother's day theme so yeah yeah, i love that what about so you? one of my favorite ways to listen to podcasts is to pick a theme and just listen to a ton of podcasts on that theme because then I get to listen to maybe podcasts that I haven't heard before. And so I went on a kick where I was just looking for like parents and Christmas for a while. So I started to look for Mother's Day and see what came up for Mother's Day. And there's one podcast called Terrible. Thanks for asking. It's um, by American Public Media and I listened to the Mother's Day episode for May 7th, 2019, so last year. And Terrible Things for Asking is collections of stories about people being, like, telling true stories about themselves as a way to just explore, like, who we really are uh, beyond what we say we are. And the stories about being a mother were just, well, so first of all, they were hilarious. Like, at one point, I was laughing so hard I cried. Like, I think everybody would probably find a different story that just got them and had them laughing so hard. But I especially liked it because it embraced the imperfect mother and all the, like, crazy things mothers end up doing to their children. And there was also a lot about, like, incorporating different people's attitudes towards Mother's Day. But just the myths of the perfect selfless mom is really another way I think to oppress women and dehumanize women. And so to see that unraveled in a really hilarious way was just wonderful. Oh, that's great. Okay. So you're going to give us the history of mother's day, but you've, you've decided to put a spin on it this time. Yeah. I'm giving you a quiz, Lisa. (laughs) Pop quiz. (laughs) Okay. Oh no. Am I going to be embarrassed? No, you're not. Okay. True or false? Uh, in the in the United States, Mother's Day is the second highest selling holiday for flowers and plants. True. True. True or false? False. True. False. It's false. Yeah. Um, it's actually the third oh. highest selling holiday after what do you think? Valentine's Day. No, that's actually not one of them. Christmas and Hanukkah. Oh, but that was interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I thought that was interesting. So question number two, the average person in the United States spends how much on Mother's Day? Oh, gosh. $60. No, 180. Oh, see, that's how much I spend, honestly, but I didn't want to say it. 
because I was embarrassed. And I, I figured know, that's I'd... actually, I, I don't spend that much. That's actually kind of a lot. Yeah, but I wonder if they're including like, you know. Is all that the... per mother? No, I don't think that's per mother. I think that's like how much I spent for my three mothers and myself. Mm, yeah, that I guess that could make sense. Um, and I also found different numbers for that. Another one I found was 196. So it depends on Ooh, you. What, it's what still source. a lot of money. Yeah, it is. So what do you think is the, the average amount people spend on Father's Day? $50. Uh, no, 133. So there is this gender gap in the amount that's spent on fathers versus oh my God, mothers. These poor marginalized fathers. They're just not know, getting right? the gifts they need. <laughs> This is relevant because when you, we look at the history of Mother's Day, uh, the woman who is known as the founder of it, Anna Jarvis, um, she, uh, she advocated it in the early 1900s. Um, she advocated for it in, to honor her mother, Anne Marie Reeves Jarvis, who was a Sunday school teacher and a pacifist, and she was a caregiver for um, soldiers during the Civil War. Um, so Anna Jarvis got this, uh, signed by Woodrow Wilson in 2014, but a, a few, only a few years later, I think it was like 2020, she started advocating for it to be, uh, disbanded because of the commercialism around it. So all those statistics I just shared about how much money is spent on mother's day. Um, she just thought it was an, an abomination. Um, and so I have this quote where one of the things she said was, um, she released this press release that re referring to the florists and the greeting card manufacturers. And she said, quote, what will you do to rout charlatans, bandits, pirates, racketeers, kidnappers, and termites that would undermine with their greed one of the finest, noblest, and truest movements and celebrations? Uh, end quote. The kidnappers um, even. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she felt very, very, very strongly about this. Um, there is another history to it. There's uh, in the late 1800s, a suffragette Julia Ward Howe also uh, was advocating for Mother's Day as a day dedicated to peace. This was in response to the Franco-Prussian War. She was really uh, just distressed that so soon after um, so many lives were lost in the Civil War that, there, that another war uh, was being being waged and her mother's day proclamation is really beautiful yes yes it is it just makes me think of like the movements for like moms for gun control and that kind of thing and there and there is a history before that even like mother's early mother's day celebrations trace back to ancient greece and then the ancient romans and probably many other in, indigenous and historical and traditional practices celebrated um mothers um but it is interesting to think about it. It's from its uh, in the United States, at least its roots in the uh, as a peace movement and as and being um, opposed to this commercialism. How quickly it got commercialized. So, all Julia Ward Howe wanted for Mother's Day was peace. Right. So, how are you going to spend? How do you normally spend Mother's Day, Lisa? So, in years past, I had three women to celebrate: my mother, my mother-in-law, and my stepmom. Um, my mother-in-law passed away actually right around Mother's Day last year. So this is going to be a really difficult Mother's Day for my husband. Um, but I've also in the past really celebrated and arranged big things for three other women, brunch or tea or something like that. But I've really enjoyed that. Like I will take any excuse for a theme party that presents itself. And if there's three in one day, like that's amazing too. So I've really enjoyed that. So would um, you like get them all together? Was it a everything happens at once no not usually there'd be like you know tea for one and then we'd all have a picnic for another and then 
you know, just various things. So that was actually really quite lovely. Um, and then one thing that my husband has done the last few years that has been really, really nice is a Mother's Day interview where he records the kids and asks them questions about me. And he's done this over the years. And then he usually writes a few words. And it's one of the only times of the year where he really like pours it all out. And it's really touching and really beautiful. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and usually it, it talks about it, like it comes right when I've like been convinced that I'm the worst mother in the world. So it's really lovely. So you really need it. Yeah. What about uh, you? For me, so I don't have, um, so I have a mother and I have a mother-in-law, but neither of them are local. Um, and I've lived away from my mother for a very long time <laughs> out of this same city. So um, it's been a long time since I've been in the same place to do anything um, celebratory with her. So normally for me, it's, you know, sending a gift or, or sending a card. I will say that I'm just not very good at celebrating most holidays. Um, I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm not very good at, uh, I'm like the opposite of you. I don't, <laughs> I, I, I will not find any excuse for a themed party. Wait, so are you um, not good at it or you don't enjoy it? I don't enjoy it. Oh, okay. That's different than not being good. You could Did like, yeah, yeah, you said oh, not okay. being good. No, I just don't want to. I, if, to me, it feels like pressure. Like this yeah. is something like that you have to do and, um, there's a dark side to my enthusiasm for theme parties. Like it, I can, I can go a little nuts and like the night before when I'm up till midnight, I don't know, making llama shaped cookies, who knows what it would be. I can be like, what was I thinking? It, this was a huge mistake, but so I get it. Yeah. Um, and I do think there's some cynicism there as well, where it's like, you know, I have a hard time get, bringing myself to purchase greeting cards just because I don't know. I just, there's some cynicism around the, the commercialism of it. Yeah. Um, even though I know it's really meaningful to a lot of people to get them. So I, I guess I just find that I try and do things for people throughout the year, yeah. you know, when I think of them and I don't like to be forced to do a it. A lot of people feel that way. I think, so, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel about that. So, um, but in terms of what I want for, for Mother's Day is uh, ever since um, the, I, I feel like the beginning when Caroline was a baby, I, I wanted alone time. I wanted extended hours of alone time to do what I wanted to do. And so my husband would take um, her and then when we had the Amelia, take them out uh, for the day. And, um, and I would be alone. And I really loved it. <laughs> and, and I think it wasn't hasn't been like that, maybe every year, I think there was one year when I was really, uh, I had been working a ton, and I wanted to spend a time with them, because I felt like I hadn't seen them that, that much, or we've just been really busy, or I was out of town, I don't know. But yeah, for me, it's, I just really want that time. It's for me, it's, it's very much about alone time, this idea of like going to brunch, with my kids, especially having little kids, like that is so much work. That does not seem enjoyable to me at all. Oh yeah. No, um, give me a brunch with my girlfriends. Yeah. Alcohol. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So that's how we, uh, we, I mean, do you feel guilt about that? Um, I, I did it. Uh, maybe a little bit at first. I, I remember <laughs> Matt joked with me one time then he had taken when he took Caroline, um, away on Mother's Day and took her to the um, National Arboretum and there was this, uh, the, the azaleas were in full bloom and it was, yeah, everyone was there with their moms. <laughs> I was just there with <laughs> Caroline. Um, but he, he wasn't, he wasn't 
bitter. It's just kind of funny. Um, I'm, I was, I guess I'm kind of surprised that more people don't, don't do it that way. Um, oh, so I think a lot do if they're not too embarrassed. Yeah. I make it. And I think anyone who I work with would tell you this and like girlfriends of mine, you, you probably know this. Like I make it a point to talk about how I want to get away from my kids. Cause I feel like it's really important to norm it. Yeah. And I purposely talk about how I don't like to go to the playground with them or play board games with them and want to get away from them all the time. And when I say it, I can see some people are like, what? How? But as if that that also means that I don't love my kids right? and and I'm not a good mom. So I have definitely felt guilt and I try to uh, normalize it by talking about it to other people and being really honest and yeah, um, because it's really tough to admit that sometimes yeah. you don't want to be around them in the current climate of, and I think this will come up, moms are perfect selfless, you know, you right. know. Right. I don't know. So I get that. And so that kind of leads us into this conversation about like what we think about Mother's Day and what we really want. And I, I, you are not alone. Like everything I was reading uh, I took tallies of a few different Facebook groups I'm on where people were asked what they really want and overwhelmingly people wanted alone time or they, or they said they wanted to not have to think about anyone else, which really broke my heart. And I think what it does is it puts a fine point on our conversation last episode about division of labor that if the care work is really unequal then when you have a day where you're supposed to be celebrated, you are ready to unload all of that care work. Yeah. And, and not just the, the, the care work in terms of the physical work, but you mentioned the not wanting to think about anything else. So that mental load, the emotional labor that we talk about um, as well and how heavy of a toll that that takes. It's, it's not just the actual time spent, spent on chores. And I do, th- and I don't think it's always just that. It's always just that there's this because of the unequal division of labor with, within a household. I think it's also just because society puts so much pressure on mothers. Um, so even if you, you know, what we talked about last week, trying so hard to try and get as much equity, equality, and within roles in the household, still, there's still not these support systems in place in society for parents and particularly mothers take the brunt of that because um, there's just so much more pressure on, on, on mothers to, to be, to achieve this certain, as you mentioned, this, this selflessness and which is actually kind of honored and, 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 and perpetuated with some of the, the norms and the, the messages and mother's day cards and the messages we see on TV and whatnot about this like idea of this selfless mother um, who does everything for everybody. Um, I mean, because our, our society talks so much about valuing motherhood and we hear this so much around Mother's Day. You know, mothering is the most important job in the world. Um, the Nothing is more important than our mothers. But, our, but, our, but in actuality, we really don't. Our policies do not reflect that. Um, we don't have paid parental leave. We don't have paid family leave here in the United States. We don't have state-subsidized childcare. Um, even things like Social Security is... Um, is is completely unfair. So if uh, the way the social security benefit um, is written up, when if if a woman or a man or has has not done paid work 
for most of their life and has mainly done care work um, for the family and have not earned an income, then they have not paid into social security. So their social security benefit is contingent on their spouse and they can receive 50% of what their spouse receives. But that right there shows how we do not value that work that was done to maintain a family. Um, right, because the woman was just putting her feet up eating bonbons. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, and that's another example of policy that, that a, a very clear policy that devalues that work. Uh, so if we really celebrated mothers, if we really celebrated the work that's traditionally associated with women and mothers, then uh, we wouldn't, we would be fully, then we would, there would probably be universal basic income and social security benefit would not be contingent on how much paid work you did. And the other example that's really important for us to recognize, acknowledge, especially Lisa, you and me as white women from privileged backgrounds is that we separate mothers from their children in, in many different circumstances in prison. We as a society, um, through the carceral prison system, we separate mothers from their children, separate mothers as soon as they give birth to their babies. And as we've seen, um, has become more obvious in the past few years under the Trump administration, but something that has been going on for longer is the separation of immigrant families and separating um, migrants and immigrants who come into the United States, um, children and babies from their family, families. So if we as a society really cared about mothers and not just that um, stereotypical picture of the 1950s um, white mother from, what is it, Leave it to Beaver, one of those, if we really valued mothers and motherhood, then then we would our policies would reflect that, and our systems would reflect that, and we would not be separating mothers um, from their children um, simply because they're fleeing for a better life, or because they can't make bail, or because they you know messed up. So, oh man, it's just that that's it. Just gets so frustrating to me. <laughs> yeah, you're making me tear up. Yeah, and there are campaigns, and, and we'll talk a little bit about this at the end, about of how we can support some of these, you know, fighting for these uh, values. But yeah, um, anyways. <laughs> what are some, uh, so another, another. Oh, God, what I was going to say. <laughs> well, what I was going to say was. Sorry. No, oh, my God, definitely don't apologize. But I, it just feels really trivial now when you think about, you know, mothers being I, separated from their kids for I any know. reason. So here I am saying I really want time to myself. At the same time, there are moms who all they would, all they want is to, mm. to be with their babies. Right. So it, is, it is hard. It's really hard. Um, and I don't, I don't know what. So you have to take care of yourself and then you got to do a little advocacy. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Listeners, tell us what you think we should do. <laughs> you have all the answers. We don't have the answers. We're just doing a podcast. <laughs> We're just trying to play around with these topics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, Yeah. There's obviously this huge hypocrisy in the idea that we put mothers on a pedestal. Yeah. Except for we do put mothers on a pedestal in some ways. And I, I think that that is really dangerous and needs to be unpacked for things you mentioned earlier, right? Like women become exhausted. Women feel less. Women, women mothers feel like they're constant failures. And I think it's difficult to take women off that pedestal if you're not also willing to say, 
and this is not about um, the moms that we vilify in our society, right? The moms who are in prison or the moms who are immigrants. Um, this is just about like your average Joe and their parent. I think it's worth acknowledging that um, there are moms who don't want to be moms. There are moms who weren't good moms to their kids. There were are moms who are not good moms to their adult children. Um, and if you don't want to call your mom on Mother's Day, you don't have to. One of the things I see, and I, I guess that matters because I think women feel a particular burden to be a good daughter to their mother. And that's Daughtering Well Feminist, maybe a different podcast. Um, <laughs> Let our daughters write that too. But, you, but it's another part of that whole thing that we're being told about who we are and what we have to do and who we have to be. And I know that that can bring people a lot of pain on Mother's Day. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I also, yeah. And I, but I, and I also think that it's like we as individuals, our relationship with our mothers, how we decide or how we, what we determine uh, what our boundaries are with mothers and what we need and what is helpful, what is healing and then what is toxic or, or damaging. Like we should be the ones to make those decisions, not, um, not the state, <laughs> like not these, not a, cul- not a culture that's basically male dominated, male dominated, white, white supremacist. So that plays out in a few ways. Even for a family that is um, white, hetero, cisgender, motherhood is being portrayed as very, very, very traditional femininity. So mm-hmm. you don't even need to be <laughs> like one of these oppressed groups to feel like if you don't want flowers for Mother's Day, what kind of mother are you? Or, and, I, and I actually worry more about it for children. So um, and we can see it right in the magazines, like the things that are for sale and the things we're buying, jewelry, beauty products, gardening equipment. Um, but like as a child, I grew up with my mom and for a while I only saw my dad twice a year, maybe. I didn't really have a relationship with him until I was old enough to like stay full summers. And um, he and I remember distinctly needing to buy him a Father's Day gift one time. And looking through a magazine and buying him like some kind of golf mug, even though my father never played golf. Like I just, what, of course, what was I going to buy him for Father's Day? Like the choices were like golf or barbecue. Turns out barbecue would have been a better fit. I don't know my dad that well, but I just picked golf because that's what I assumed. And so it makes me wonder like we're defining motherhood in a really particular way on this celebratory day. And it's not how I want my kids to think about moms. And it seems like a really good opportunity to talk about with your kids, what being a mom is right. Mm -hmm. It's certainly not pushing something out of your vagina. It's way more than that. Uh, You don't need a vagina to be a mom. Right. And like, um, I think that that can be a really good entryway both into the conversation like there are black and brown moms separated from their kids, all of that, but Mm -hmm. also um, what do you think? What do moms do? 
and the idea like, do you think all moms are like me? <laughs> I asked my husband, I was having this conversation with my husband and I was like, yeah, we can ask like, you know, I don't know what makes a mom. And he, he said, sacrifice, <laughs> you know, which is like, it's worth unpacking and worth kind of exploring. Mm. And I guess, yeah, all I want for Mother's Day is some uh, stereotype challenging kind of conversation. I like that. I like that. Yeah, this, the way Mother's Day can and the way it's celebrated, the way it's commercialized and marketed um, and, and reinforces these traditional norms of femininity. I often worry how that pits women with children against women without children. Um, and because if we're lifting up motherhood as being, as society is saying in its words, and that motherhood is like the ultimate sacrifice or whatnot. Well, what about women who don't choose that? So, and so I, yeah, I, totally. I, I hear, and again, I don't, this is not my experience because I am a mom. I guess I haven't always been a mom, but um, yeah, I, I think, I think that's one of the other, the challenges of the day and the way it's, um, it focuses so much on these traditional gender norms. Um, and then also what about parents who, like you mentioned, you or who um who don't identify as mom or dad just as a parent they're gender non-binary like the i was reading and how so much of the hallmark cards and all of the messages are just really very much reinforced this heteronormative um family concept so yeah that's definitely one of the another one of the one of the reasons i'm skeptical about (laughs) i'm not so eager to celebrate holidays like this yeah yeah oh my gosh I mean, this is one reason why I wanted to start a podcast with you is because some of the things that are so traditionally feminine are things I dearly love and I know they have problems. And it's sometimes hard to like lean into that and also feel like you're being a good feminist. Well, what do you, well, let's unpack, wait, what do you mean that it it has problems like you love mother's day and so that's a problem you love mother's day and you want flowers and makeup there there's nothing wrong with wanting flowers and makeup it's just the yeah but you know you just hesitate yeah oh yeah i know and we can talk about this more but i um it's just the way it's pushed so much on on women is the problem right yeah i think this brings us to a few ideas right like in the real micro level, like within a household, I think there are opportunities to have some great conversation with your husband um, and with your kids, right? As far as the kids, those roles and what motherhood means. There's a great book that has what moms do on one side. And I saw this book and I was like, oh no, what are you going to say moms do? You know, and I like read the book and then you flip it over on the back, it's another book that goes the opposite direction that says what dads do. And they're copies of one another with identical words and just pictures oh, of moms great. and dads. Yeah. So there are ways to have these conversations really young. And of course, there are conversations we have when kids are older. And then I think it's an opportunity to talk to your husband. Like, if you are one of those moms who is like, I'm so exhausted, all I want for Mother's Day is a nap. I think it's worth, it's an opportunity to say, hey, all I want for Mother's Day is a nap. And maybe your husband says, yeah, all I want for Father's Day is a nap too. And then you can say, whew, how can we help this situation so we're both well-rested? 
Or maybe your husband is like, oh gosh, I didn't realize you were feeling that bad. Like what yeah. can we do there? So um, there are definitely opportunities. Yeah, this has given me an idea. Um, my husband gets, likes to give me flowers for Mother's Day and International Women's Day and Valentine's Day. And um, I think I'm going, I, I'm going to start giving him flowers for his days too. And what's funny is that my daughter has, this is actually really her idea because his birthday's coming up. And for his birthday, she wants, to, she said she wants to um, sprinkle, put rose petals <laughs> all over the place. For his <laughs> and the thing is, is that they have a really strong connection around gardening because they garden together. And so how she associates flowers with him because they do the gardening together. Um, and, and, and I love that because it hasn't been, she hasn't quite been influenced yet about these norms about how flowers are typically associated with women. So yeah, that's um, beautiful. So I need to continue that. <laughs> yeah. And like one reason why, because mother mother's day is such a gendered holiday. It's one reason why, like I personally would prefer not to get an actual gift. Yeah. Like all I want for Mother's Day is words of affirmation. Yeah. All I want is still a nap. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I think uh, it's important for us to think about doing, and maybe this is what we ask our loved ones to do for us, is to take action on um, advocating for policies that really actually show that we care for mothers, for caregivers. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities there. The organization Moms Rising has a number of campaigns. There's a, uh, a campaign going on right now called um, uh, Free Black Mamas, which is hosted by the National Bailout and is focused again on, on um, moms who are in jail because they can't afford bail. And so bailing them out so that they can spend Mother's Day with their families. Um, this is a campaign that goes on every year. Um, if you, we are in the DC area, there's a huge campaign right now called uh, Under 3 DC for advocating for greater investments and supports for families with infants and toddlers. So there's, and there's probably something like this happening in your area as well. So, um, so task, uh, task your people to write some postcards, write some letters, uh, donate, instead of sending you a card, donate some money to free black mamas. Uh, these are all ways that we can show that we really do value um, motherhood, not just um, the way the we Hallmark tells us about motherhood, but really motherhood and all their diversity and, and uh, difference. Yeah, that's beautiful. I also think it's worth thinking about who you know personally that might celebrate Mother's Day in a different way or be thinking about Mother's Day with some sadness and really reaching out and being intentional. So thinking about single moms, especially recently divorced moms who won't be celebrated and making really intentional efforts to celebrate them. Um, and then caretakers of their parents. So thinking if maybe they're the ones who should be getting the flowers this year. Yeah, I've seen a lot of discussion around parenting um, moving towards this discussion around caregiving because it's it's really it's not and so much about motherhood. What we're really talking about is caregiving, and so what really should be honoring is is yeah, are the caretakers, are the caregivers in all the different ways and and all the different ways that we are caring um, for. Yeah, caring for our children as well as other people in our families, um, older people, people who who need that extra support. Um, 
And I think, you know, we have, I really appreciate what you're saying, Lisa, and it's reminding me that other people in our lives that uh, are, that are, that play caregiving and motherhood, mothering roles to my children, making sure I acknowledge them and really show them I appreciate them. So yeah, yeah thank you for pointing that out. And stepmoms. Mm. I yeah. just got to give a shout out. My stepmom's amazing and I'm so grateful for her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think the other thing, just to return to kind of how our conversation started, um, I think that in terms of our expectations for Mother's Day and just wanting a nap, um, you found an article, All I Want for Mother's Day is Equitable Division of Labor by uh, Christine Carter. And one of the things she says is that if you are exhausted or you are dealing with inequity or something, you know, an unfair breakdown of work, that there can be this tendency to think that it's all going to be fixed on Mother's Day, that somehow on this day that we've chosen to honor mothers, like it's all going to be made up to you with that brunch and that downtime. Um, and so I think there is something to be said for managing our expectations. And if we can give some of that love and energy outward, then it can be a really special, nice day. That's a great point. And, you know, as much as I joke, half joke, because I do seriously want a nap on Mother's Day, the reality is, is that I deserve to be able to nap more than just on Mother's Day. Uh, yes, ma'am. This- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's this great, I love this Instagram account and this um, those woman who leads this uh, initiative called the Nap Ministry, because um, it's just reminding us how much we deserve to rest. Um, and not just on these one days of the year that supposedly celebrate us. So, um, yeah, I think managing expectations and, and, and figuring out how you can honor your needs, um, honor your needs more than just one day a year. Yeah. And I think if you do that, then Mother's Day could be a real celebration. Right. Yeah. Like, I've taken care of myself. And then you reappropriate the holiday to be a celebration of what it truly means to you. That is lovely. Now that is some hope. I love that, Lisa. Well, my friend, how are you going to take care of Lindsay this week? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) Is that really what she had planned? It is, actually. Lovely. Um, There's a definite theme. Lindsay's exhausted. I feel like I need to text you every evening to be like, go to bed. No, seriously. For your own sake. I'm not that bad. I just, um, several times during the day, I'm thinking I would really just like to take a nap right now. So I've just given myself, I've just know that that one day soon I'm going to actually take a nap in the middle of the day. So that sounds lovely. Yeah. And Lisa, how are you going to take care of my friend Lisa this week? So I'm going to give Lisa a project that's just for her. I just think, um, especially for moms right now, kind of looking out into the world of people without kids, seeing them like take up new hobbies while they're stuck at home, it feels like, um, you know, like they're missing out. Not that we all need to like prove that we can become virtual violinists, you know, that's not the point, but um there is a great blog called Create Like a Mother by my friend, Catherine Fesco. I actually knew her in high school. I haven't seen her in years and years and years. And she has decided to memorize one poem a week. You've been creating zines, right? I think we all need little projects that are just for us. So I'm going to think of one. 
That's great. That sounds lovely. Well, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lindsay. And And happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear what you think about this topic. Our website is mommingwellfeminist.com. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at mommingwellfeminist. Let's have each other's backs this week. And take care of yourself. Bye.